0: Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd
1: and Lysen Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company.
0: Thanks for listening. Hi there, Samantha Lloyd here with Floater Founder. I'm here as always with my co-host Lysen Casey. Hello everyone. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Bobby Umar. He's a professional speaker, uh, TED Talks, uh, five times TEDx speaker, top 100 leadership speakers from Inc. Magazine, and of course, the co-founder and CEO of DYPV, which is Discover Your Personal Brand. So, sorry for that mouthful, but welcome. uh, Thank
2: you. Glad to be here.
0: And uh, thank you for having us, of course, uh, hosting us today. Um. So let's talk. Why uh, personal branding? Um, why do you like to speak about it? Why do you run uh, a whole brand around it? Well, wow,
2: it's a lot. Okay. So I mean, personal branding is something that has crept up over the years. As I talked about, you know, finding your career, finding your fulfillment. You know, people who are feeling stuck or lost in their careers. People trying to advance their careers, or do I transition from from corporate to entrepreneurship, starting a business, all that kind of stuff. And I remember first introducing personal branding as part of networking. Actually, I was talking about I was doing a keynote on networking, and I said, "Look, you have a reputation, you have a brand. So when you network with somebody, what kind of impression do you make on them? Because ultimately, it's your promise to people. And that really caught on. And I said, "That's your personal brand." And people were like, "Whoa, personal brand—that's kind of cool." And in the beginning, personal brand was more like, "What? What is personal brand? I'm not a bar of soap." You know, they were like. I don't know what personal branding is. And then about five, six years ago, it became more like, okay, you know, I try to explain to people why it's important. Uh, and and I'll explain that in a second. And then now people wanna know, how do I do it? But the reason it's important is because, you know, whether you like it or not, you have a reputation, people, you have a perception of how you are, whether you're an individual or a brand. And so it's important for you to understand what that is and to try to manage it as best as possible. And if you manage it really well, it's gonna provide you many different things. It's gonna provide you a chance to break through the clutter and create something that's unique. It's gonna allow you to have more clarity uh, uh, clarity and focus around your brand. It's gonna allow you to have more purpose and direction around what you wanna do and where you wanna go. Cause most of us follow a path of success defined by the people we are often are not doing what we wanna be doing because we're trying to make money or we're trying to do something we like to do or, or we think or we're good at. And we don't take the time to really figure it out. And personal branding, again, once you actually align your values and your passions. When you, once you focus and have purpose around what you're trying to do and have a mission and vision, then the third thing you get from personal branding is impact. You get to create more story, legacy, results, and achievement. And who doesn't want to be fulfilled? Who doesn't want to have more focus? And who doesn't want to have more legacy? That's why personal branding is so important.
1: In today's world, we're kind of like bombarded with information pretty much every second. How do you get your personal brand to stand out?
2: It's a good question. I I think that one of the things that people focus too much on is they're trying to get the, uh, they're trying to attract a billion people. You don't have to attract a billion people. You can attract a hundred people and have a successful life and business. What's really important for you is to have something that's clear and focused. So even if, so even for myself, like, you know, I'm a professional speaker and I talk about personal branding. There are other people who talk about personal branding. There are other people who are speakers who talk about personal branding. But, you know, they may have their own tribe and followers. I may have my own tribe and followers. If I have a thousand people who love what I'm doing, what I'm talking about, they could be my clients the rest of my life and I don't need anybody else. So I think the first step is to stop worrying about so many people that are out there, like the billions of people. You what you want to do is you want to create a message that, you know, resonates with at least a certain number of people that can support you and build a business around. I think that's the first thing. And the second thing to think about is, you know, if you focus on your personality and your story and your values, that's what's going to set you apart because no one else has that. No one else has what you've been through and what you feel and how you express it. So, again, even though there's thousands of other speakers, no one talks the way Bobby does. And no one tells the stories that Bobby does because those are my stories. Like my cheeseburger story is my story. My chess nerd story is my story. And so I leverage those things f- f- for my benefit, for my brand, and put it out there. And everyone else has to do the same thing. The difference is that you know I've learned a way to do it in a very clear, concise and uh, impactful way. And I think everyone else can learn the same thing. So when it comes to
1: managing your personal brand, uh, should it be done before somebody is about to look for a job, about to start a business? Should people do it 24 seven? Or is there a specific time and place to manage your personal brand?
2: So I think the best answer is that your personal brand will help you as soon as you start to use it. And so you can use it even back in high school or before. So the moment you realize you wanna have more clarity focus, alignment impact in your life and your professional both business or business or personal or even like corporate or entrepreneur entrepreneurial. Leveraging your personal brand will help you. So I would say use it as soon as you can. I I encourage everyone to do it because most people don't even do that. They only do when they oh I'm lost or I'm stuck and now what? That's when they start start to say, Okay, let me do personal branding. But actually your reputation is going to be there no matter what. So do you want Others to manage it for you, your reputation, or do you want you to manage your reputation? So I think I think everyone should be working on their personal brand to figure that stuff out. It's not, it's not really 24-7. It's more that, that investment to figure it out and then revisit every couple of years to make sure you're on on point, on brand, and it's, it's aligned with your values and things like that. But it's going to help you uh, in all the different areas. And the other thing I'll say, too, is that you know once you know what your personal brand is, then what I typically tell people is you start you should start to work on your thought leadership personal brand which is basically if you imagine Jeff Bezos quote is your personal brand is what they say when you're not in the room a thought leadership personal brand is what they say when you enter a room oh there's that guy who's all about astronomy or that that guy the the nanotechnology expert and so every single one of you has an opportunity to build a thought leadership personal brand around yourself yourself your career your business whatever might be and so, the first thing is to figure out that focus and know what that brand is, and then take that brand and elevate it to a really high level, where you then create incredible impact.
0: Very cool. And um, so, obviously, you're you're the thought leader for uh, branding, uh, your social media influencer, everything like that. Where did you start? How did you create your own personal brand and your thought leadership brand?
2: Hmm. Well, thanks for the nice words. Uh, I would say that. Uh, you know uh at the time i was trying to figure out what i want to do with my life because i'd i'd done four careers i'd done um engineering brand marketing teaching and performing arts and uh, i never never nothing really gelled brand marketing was pretty close i i but it just wasn't the right fit and then finally when uh, i was trying to figure out what it, i basically what happened was uh, i it was kind of a weird thing I, I i had health problems and i became diabetic and i went to my employer and i said, Look, I need to scale back my hours of 80 hours a week. It's crazy. I'm, I'm getting really unhealthy and I need to take time off. And three weeks later, they gave me a package. Basically, don't want to deal with you. And I was like, wow, yeah, this that's is crazy. crazy. And I was like, okay, so what do I do now? And and uh, everyone had been saying for years, you know, Bobby, you know, you're know, you a really good speaker. Have you ever thought about speaking? I'm like, no, no, I'm trying to impress the man. I'm trying to impress, you know. And then finally, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I do want to, I, I definitely have thought about it. And so... What I did was I actually – and I, I did a personal brand journey that I wasn't even aware of that I was doing it. And what I did was I just kind of thought – I basically I sent a, a survey monkey to about 100 of my friends to ask them about um, different aspects of what they liked about me and what I thought I'd be good at. I asked them about different types of pricing they, they, they think I should do. And then I did a couple of um, uh, personality assessments. And in doing so – I did, and I, did, I remember doing one in particular. It was called the Berkman's Value um, Sorter. And it made me line up all the different things that uh, my values and I, and I understood a bit more about, you know, who I was and what I valued. And from doing so, it actually was kind of cool because then uh, I saw, OK, here are the different things about me that make sense. And here are all the different things for me that uh, would be aligned in terms of a career path. And I came up with like five different brand elements like Bobby loves people. Bobby loves to nurture. Bob loves to perform, and present. He likes to persuade, and influence. He likes diversity. And in doing those, I'm like, okay, there's a a dozen paths I could take. But it was screaming at me, professional speaker. And so that's exactly what I did. And I haven't looked back. That was 14 years ago and I've been happy and fulfilled. Uh, more than ever it was before.
0: That's awesome. And I really like the idea of surveying the people you know and just yeah. asking them, like, what is it about me? Or, yeah, what do you think I could sell?
2: Well, because what's interesting, too, is that they all give you different answers. Mm-hmm. But then all, all the ones that are the same, you know that's, that's a good yeah. one. If yeah. they all say, Bobby's a people guy, okay, I get it. But yeah. if half say it, then you're like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But they all said that. So that really helped me.
0: That's awesome, that's a really cool way to go about it.
2: And
1: uh, if there are any listeners who are kind of interested in the whole uh, speaking uh, uh, ecosystem, uh, what would you say are some of the best ways to get speaking um, events and kind of like make money from them?
2: Sure, so let me start with the first thing though, which is again, remember I talked earlier about a thought leadership personal brand. Every single one of you, no matter where you are in your career, corporate or entrepreneurship, has a chance to build a thought leadership personal brand. And that is built on three things you're gonna do. Number one, is networking, authentic, strategic, broad, deep networking. Number two, it's on content idea generation, generating new ideas. So if you're Jay-Z, you write songs. If you're Opie, you write books. If you're Gary V, you do videos. And the third thing is it's about speaking and writing. And so you need to be speaking out there to talk about the things you care about, your expertise. And if you do that, whether you're 25 or 45, you can become a thought leader in your field. So I think that's the first thing. So I'm a huge proponent of everyone getting out there to speak more. And that's why I support a lot of speaker speakers with my speaker programs that I, that I run. The second thing is, is that if you want to become a speaker, yeah, the first thing is to figure out what is your, you know, think about your, how does it align with your brand? Now, we have our own brand, but then we have a speaker brand. They're pretty much the same thing, right? So what are the things you want to speak about? What are the things that people ask you for advice on? What are the things that people... Uh, you love to give advice about right or, or give mentorship to people and you got to come up with your topics and your speaker brand and your target audience who do you want to serve do you want to talk to women do you want to talk to entrepreneurs do you want to talk to young people old people whatever it might be and then once you have that then you go out and you just pitch just say look i want to go out there and talk about nanotechnology blockchain uh, youth entrepreneurship senior entrepreneurship whatever it might be And just start pitching that and then you start getting those gigs now how do you get paid well that's where you know it becomes a little bit more complicated where you have to have a really clear brand clear profile strong marketing materials good website good speaker sell sheet and then the other thing is to know your value right so what are you going to charge do you know that because if you don't know or if you overprice yourself like it's you're either going to look ridiculous or you're going to look you know undervalued right so it's important to kind of know what that is and what the market will bear but if you have a strong profile and you have a strong um, you know, list of topics that the world needs, you can get paid for it.
0: Very cool. And how did you um, figure out what your value was?
2: Well, in terms of speaking, when I first started out, like the, the first thing I, so when I, worked, when I went to my speaker mentor, his name is Sanjay Nath, and he said, Bobby, just come up with three topics that you, that you know you could talk about. And so I remember I came up with three topics, of which two of them I never ever spoke about, but I pitched them anyways. And the one that I pitched that got my first speaking gig, it was the three P's of leadership, I called it. And it was proactiveness, um, people, and passion. That's what it was. And I did that speech twice. And what happened was, you know, I got a lot of feedback and I started to evolve. And pretty soon, the first thing that came out was that I was really good at talking about soft skills. So communication, decision making, improvisation, creativity, things like that. And the second thing that came about was I was really good at talking about networking, so I became a networking kind of guy, and I, that, that was my big thing: networking, this, networking, networking. And over the years, it evolved. I then brought up personal branding in 2008 at a keynote, and people loved it. And so personal branding soon became something I talked about a lot. Then in 2011, when I launched my um, my first, I had my first TEDx talk, and I launched my first social media strategy because I was like, you know what, social media—it's here to stay. I'm going to do this. And uh, within six months, I had my first gig talking about social media because I was getting a lot of traction, particularly on Twitter. And so those three, uh, networking, personal branding, and social media became the three main topics I did. So so my point is, you get feedback, and evolves as you go along, but you have to make sure you listen to your audience and evolve with the time.
1: Cool. Yeah. And uh, how can you use your speaking skills in your everyday life? For you, your everyday life includes speaking, I guess, so it makes yeah. more sense. But so for what? people who it doesn't, how can you kind of use the skills and experiences you get from that and in other areas of your life?
2: Well, speaking is fantastic for skills because, you know, if I if, if you want to go see Avengers Endgame, I can convince you to go see it. <laughs> right. So like and uh, so then you kind of get your way a little bit. Right. If uh, it, it, speaking allows you to be a better parent to my kids because I'm doing more listening, I'm doing more understand what they're feeling and and having them in negotiating different situations. It works in business because, again, one of the things about speaking that's interesting people don't realize, a lot of it's listening. Mm -hmm. And you actually spend a lot of time listening to your audience and what they care about. And pretty soon, you can become a much more effective speaker to be persuasive in any any aspect of your life. So for me, I would say speaking actually helps me in all aspects of my life, uh, personal, professional. So I think that's really good. Because you you get to be persuasive, you get to be very passionate about things. And, you know, you also want to be the type of speaker that's kind of a bully or an authoritative type thing. I try to be a very empathetic speaker, but I think it certainly helps me and it can help anyone in every aspect of life because it's a part of it's listening. A part of it is um, formulating ideas in your head and, and doing it in a very organized way. And a part of it is to learn how to communicate effectively.
0: To change it up a bit, you're so obviously you you have uh, kind of like your hands in a lot of different things: author, speaker, your own company. How do you decide how to spend your time?
2: I think uh, it's probably the biggest struggle of my life. Um, I don't think uh, I've struggled with it all the way from the beginning. And uh, you know, even just um, three, or four years ago, I was talking to my business mentor, Ron Tite, great guy, and someone I, his birthday yesterday, as I admired greatly. And uh, and then he said, you know, I think you're spending too much time giving back. And I said, you're a lovable guy, Bobby. Like, you know, you're really helpful. You're really supportive. But how much how much you give back? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, how how do you calculate that? He's like, well, let's look at your entire schedule for the week and the month. And let's just see how much of this time is directly uh, directly, indirectly creating revenue for you. And we did this whole analysis and it turned out that 58 percent of my time was non revenue generating time. And He's like, that's terrible. Like, it it means you're really generous, but you're not taking care of business. Like, I'm not saying he's like, I'm not saying you shouldn't give back your time, you know, 10, 20 percent. But get to a point where, you know, you should always be giving back your time, but you should also be generating, building revenue for your family. And I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. And then the very next day, my business coach, uh, Nick Kuzmich, he said, Bobby, if I can be honest with you, I feel like you... You give, you give much, too much too much of your time. Like, what? what? You just said that. My mentor said this yesterday. This is crazy. And then as soon as he said that, I decided to change things. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is based on, I think the best thing that helps me is, number one, my why statement. So my why statement is all about there are lost, stuck, or unfulfilled leaders everywhere. And what that means is, everywhere I go, I meet people who feel lost in their career, stuck in their jobs, or unfulfilled in their relationships. And so all my work, from keynotes, workshops, everything I do, has to fit in that some way. If it doesn't, I shouldn't do it. Bobby, we want you. We want you to go host a circus. You know what? It's not. Doesn't feel <laughs> what I'm doing. One one guy actually asked me to host a, a uh, some sort of bridal shower. I'm like, nah, that's not what I want to do. And so it, it keeps me focused on what I want to do. That's one thing. The second thing is managing my time better. I think that uh, you know I've learned to automate some tools i've learned to uh build scale around certain things i've learned to work with uh, outsource some things that I, I shouldn't be doing certainly not the four-hour work week you know that i'd like to get to but you know i i, I definitely am very mindful of that uh, of trying to do that much much better i'm and especially now as a parent uh i i'm very i'm i'm in i'm in hustle mode when the kids go to school 8 15 a.m they're and 5 30 p.m they're going to come back i'm not like other entrepreneurs i only have 8 30 to 5 30 or sorry 8 15 to 5 30 that's it and at five thirty PM my phone goes off and there's a reminder that says super daddy mode. And it's a reminder to me that listen, Bobby, you gotta get dinner on the table and kids are coming home and you gotta be super daddy because I'm also that's one of my biggest projects of my life, yeah. right? Being a super daddy. And so uh, I'm far – it's amazing how much more organized I am than I used to be. I still struggle, though. Like, I, it's not like it's perfect. You know, you, you look at your list of things to do, and you're like, okay, I, I did three of the ten. That sucks. Like, you also have to learn mindset and forgiveness, you know, and get some sleep and take care of your body. What if you get sick? Like, life happens, right? So all these things with mindset and time management and, and trying to, you know, find a way to scale things and automate things in the, in the right way – it's all part of that journey, particularly for an entrepreneur. Um, so h-
1: how do you give good advice to someone? And also, how do you tell someone something they don't want to hear? Uh,
2: okay, well, I mean, part of it is um, I think I give good advice because, one, one, I have a really great memory. So I remember things from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even when I was like a teenager. I have a really good memory for things. So I'm able to leverage those, those insights and those experiences when I give people advice number two when asked for advice i'm no holds barred i'm willing to give them as much as i can because i want everyone to succeed right so i have no problem with that um so for me it's very easy to give advice uh and because i have such diverse experience across a broad range of things you know corporate entrepreneurship and all the different things i have my feet in uh, i can give more nuanced and diverse advice uh, for it. the other thing i do is you know I just looks this is my advice you don't have to take it it's just this is kind of my perspective i encourage you to get other perspectives and then when you're talking to people in terms of how to make sure they don't they're okay with your advice, there's some people I know I have a good sense of since I do a lot of personal branding work, I have a pretty good sense of someone's brand within 10 minutes of meeting them. So I kind of get a sense of their personality traits. I know what they're like their values. So if it's someone I don't think is up to it, I'll say, listen, are you open to feedback, right? And I'll, I'll put other or how about we have a conversation next week and I will take you through the entire thing. And because uh, some people aren't ready right away in the moment, other people need time to prepare, and other people I'll just do it. Right. So what I do is I kind of plan them for that courageous conversation where they have to be open to that information so I can give them that stuff. But I'm really big on tough love and being, you know, I don't like the idea of brutal honesty. I kind of I just say like just very, you know, honest, just honest love that that's tough to hear. But I think it's good to hear. I mean, most of us have narratives and most of us have blind spots that we just don't want to acknowledge, including myself and so uh i think that that really helps the other thing helps when i talk to those people is to share my own vulnerability about here's something i've struggled with right and when you do that then they're more likely to listen to what you have to say
0: it's very good very good techniques and um when you are speaking to someone or giving them advice what's kind of one general thing that you hope people can take away from
2: you for general advice of life oh my god uh well (laughs) um well, I mean, I think if I, if I go back to my story and I can tell people that, you know, I was feeling lost over my career and, I, and unfulfilled over two or three different careers, I think that the biggest advice I can tell you is that you need to invest in yourself. You need to take the time to understand exactly what drives you, what your values are, what your experience, stories and traits and personalities uh, that are going to benefit you. Because if you want more clarity, you want more impact, you want more focus in your life and you want to have that legacy you can be proud of, take the time to invest in yourself. If you don't invest in yourself, who will? If not, if not now, then when? I mean, if you're willing to put in 100 hours to get 450,000 hours of fulfillment and happiness, is that not worth it? That's my advice, invest yourself and figure it out.
1: Cool, uh, let's move back a little bit towards networking events, Since sure. you're an expert. Um, what's the best way to stand out at a networking event?
2: Well, again, it goes back to your brand. Like, If you know what your brand is, I think that's gonna help you out because you'll know how to talk to people. Number two, I think it's good to have an objective, right? So do you have a particular objective for this event? Do you wanna meet a particular person? Do you wanna to talk to the speaker? Do you wanna meet these five people in this industry? What exactly is it? Failing to plan is planning to fail. The best networkers have a plan. The second thing the best networkers have is they have the best mindset for it, right? They're there to invest in people, to support others, to um, figure out ways to you know, help them grow in what they're trying to do and invest in their stories. And those networking, people are much more better at that as opposed to just selling 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 or business card business card business card it's more about just talking to people and building relationships and maybe the transaction will happen three four meetings down the road or maybe six months down the road but ultimately you know you want to present your best self and the other thing you want to do too is uh, continue to um Build your personal brand, your thought leadership brand by sharing your expertise and letting people know what you can do when it comes to networking and thought leadership personal brand and giving your, giving your knowledge to people.
1: And what about if you're the type of person that's kind of really shy or the person you want to talk to is somebody that's kind of like you look up to or someone that's really successful and uh, you kind of feel reluctant?
2: Okay, so the first thing is mindset, right? So, I mean, mindset something that we all struggle with. And you have to understand that if it's a networking event, the context is there that people want to network. Even the big wig speaker uh, is there for a reason because they want to meet people. So that that's one thing. The second thing is that you know if you are feeling shy or introverted, for example, the best way to uh, be better at networking is to acknowledge your superhero strengths. What are introverts good at? They're good at introspection, they're good at listening, they're good at planning and organization. So take those superhero strengths that you have and use them for networking. What that means is, if I'm an introvert and I'm networking, I would plan my. I would plan like 10 questions I would ask people. I would plan the people I want to talk to. I would maybe bring a wing person to you know give me some support and, and have that plan of action when I get there. And then also when I'm there and I'm feeling a little bit stifled or whatever, and let's say there's lots of people, go outside, take a break, recharge your batteries, come back in 10 minutes later, more focused, more refreshed, more re-energized. So there are things that introverts and shy people can do to get around the, the, the planning and the organization and the... And then even just the listening will go a long way uh, in, in terms of their networking success. And the other thing I'll say is that if you want to be really successful in networking, the key is how you follow up. Mm-hmm. Because most people do not follow up. And I always tell a story, and I'll tell you the story now, which is, you know, I spoke to 500 people. Uh, it was like an ant- young entrepreneurs. And the young, hustling entrepreneurs are hungry. They want to build their business. And I did a keynote in Wall, And I said, listen, uh, I'll be here the whole day. I'm not, I'm not going to leave. I'll be here the whole day. I have 500 business cards in my in my backpack and my coat. Every one of you get, get my card, and every single one of you can call me and get a 15-minute free coaching call. Now, this is in the very beginning when I was hustling my business. I wouldn't do that now, because that would be crazy. But back then, out of 500 people, how many people actually got my card? And I was there the whole day. 75 people came up and got my card. Out of 75, 75 people, how many people actually reached out to me via email, text, or phone call? 17 people. Out of 17 people, how many people actually built a relationship with me long-term? Two people. So, you can be either the 85% that does nothing, you can be the 15% that gets my card, you can be the top 4% that gets that follows up with me or you can be the top 0.4% that builds a relationship with me. Who do you want to be? Follow up.
1: What's the best way to to follow up? Is it kind of like dating, you wait 3 days or what's the best yeah, way? Yeah, so
2: I mean, I have done a couple of training videos on this one which is, you know, just um, how to follow up specifically, but I typically would say that 1 to 2 business days, I wouldn't actually wait I wouldn't do that at night. You know, that's a bit stalkerish, right? <laughs> but, but what you want to do, I would say that there's, um, there's kind of four key things. So well, number one, context. Hi, I met Bobby Umar at this event. You spoke, did a keynote on personal branding. Number two, um, number two is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. gratitude. Give them some gratitude. I really love what you said about X, Y, Z. It really resonated mm-hmm. with me. It makes people feel good, so just say that. And number three, what's your ask? What do you want? Like, get to it. Like, the ask is, well, I'd like to uh, interview for you for a podcast. I'd like to uh, uh, send you this article that I found really cool. I'd like to connect you to my uh, my my cousin who works for a company that I think would be great to hire you for something. These are all things that provide value to that person, which I think would be good. And the fourth thing is keep it concise. Don't tell me your whole life story in the email. You just want to get that connection. You want to get that response. And if you do that in one to two days, uh, you can do pretty well.
1: So So... A lot of times, when an entrepreneur is, is thinking about starting a company, a lot of them already have a job and they started alongside yeah. their jobs. Uh, how how would you know when it's when it's good to work them uh, to work your job and your and your kind of side hustle at the same time? Yeah and when you should quit your job and focus on your business full-time?
2: Well, I think that's the biggest question I get when I coach people. Like, you know, one of the things I coach people on is transition, right? So the side hustle thing is very important because I think it's important for all of us to have a side hustle because work should not be your life. There's got to be something else. Now, a side hustle, you could theoretically say it's parenting or it could be, you know, rock climbing or whatever it might be. Maybe it doesn't make money. But it's good to have something outside of it. Now, that said, if when's the time to build it up and move out? I mean, for every person, it depends, right? There's... The huge advantage of either there's a soft transition, right, which might take two, three years, maybe more. And then there's a hard transition where you just quit your job and you go do it. Now, the, the quitting your job and just doing the hard transition, I mean, people have different tolerance levels. So, you know one one metric is like, well, are you making how much of your salary are you making right now with your side hustle? Is it twenty percent of your salary, thirty, forty percent? Some people wait until they're like at sixty to seventy percent of the salary before they, they they cut loose and go for it. Other people only do it at twenty percent because they've seen a, a rise within three to six months. Like, oh this is this is working. So it really depends on your tolerance. And then for the side hustle and then but then you have to understand the differences, right? If you have a the hard transition, the big advantage is that you, A, you are super hungry to be successful because you have nothing else there to support you. And number two, you have all the time in the world now to make it work, right? Now, there's risk there, of course, but then there's the risk tolerance piece. And then for the the, 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 the side hustle where it's soft transition, well, you only have 5, 6, 10, 12 hours per week to commit to this thing. Right? And it's gonna slow you down. Are you willing to do that? Maybe your job's miserable and maybe it's maybe it's a job you actually like, so then you're okay with making it longer, right? Or maybe you have kids coming up or they're getting older. Like you have to you know there's so many different variables at play to keep in mind keep that in mind. That said, uh, I would say that if you work with me or somebody else and we lay out this is this is what the this is what your brand is, this is what the target audience is, the world needs it, here's what they're gonna pay for it. You've done the surveys and there's definitely a market for it, I would say transition go for it
0: so then how do you balance parenting with all that you do because you do a lot yeah so
2: i think the parenting thing is um understanding the priorities uh what's most important to me most important to me is my kids right number one uh like today for example it's a friday the kids had a pd day and so did i do work no i didn't right i mean i could have i could have sent them away to something but they're home and you know i thought let's go do something so we went out for lunch we hung out and things like that so Uh, it's not luckily as an entrepreneur I have the flexibility to push and again there's so much on my plate I'm definitely stressed out but it doesn't matter they're here because the thing with kids is that they're only here for like you know first the first six years they need you all the time and then for the next six six to six to eight years they need you quite a lot Uh, and then after that if you're cool enough they only need you very like then they they don't want you around very much they're just around and then they're gone so really, like you know, it's not that it's it's a six to eighteen year commitment where you you focus on them, and so for me that's my primary focus out of everything, and I'm really dedicated to that I'm a huge proponent of telling people, don't spend sixty hours a week trying to get that promotion, to get that new house, to get the new car, to get that extra thirty thousand dollars a year. The kids don't care. All kids care about is they want your time, Daddy. Were you there? Were you there? That's all they care about, and so for me that that is a really big lesson that I. I'm a hugely advocate for, Uh, I I think that that and then in terms of how I do it, uh, part of his integration, like, you know, hustling really hard between 815 and 530pm, 815. And then the other thing is integrate, integrating them in different ways. So like, for example, uh, this podcast, you know, like, I knew my son was out at a gymnastics thing. So I thought, okay, and I knew my daughter might have a sleepover friend. So hey, this is a good time for me to do a podcast, because they're busy right so here I am now we had a couple of logistical hiccups right that's what editing but, is for right but I mean that's what that's what worked out really well because I was able to integrate you guys into my family life yeah. in the evening yeah. and so and the other thing that is also the priority thing which is often I get asked to come to an event or network or whatever speak I'm like look unless it's a paid speaking gig the answer is no mm-hmm. right because I have to I, I now commit to my children completely
0: yeah very cool that's, that's awesome, awesome rapid fire next all righty the rapid fire Rapid fire, boom all righty so i'm gonna ask you all these rapid fire questions so first one uh what is your favorite thing about toronto
2: i love the diversity of toronto in terms of the uh, uh, actually two things diversity and access so diversity of every single thing if you want to do jujitsu you want to do bowling you want to go to a movie you want to go to a coffee shop you want to go to a park everything is here and the second thing that relates to that is accessibility so wh- i get a lot of people who complain about you know uh, why don't you live in sub- sub- suburbs and i'm like listen and i couldn't figure out wh- why i could explain what's was better here but then i finally figured out you have space i have time right i have all this time in the world i spend 20 hours a week from Monday to friday with my kids versus just the weekend so i spend a lot of time with my children whereas they don't because they have to commute and travel and it's crazy right and so i mean i have all this time like I can go out on a weeknight with my kids to see a show or do dinner, and you know people who live in a the suburbia they can't do that. They're exhausted, so I have all this time in the world because everything's accessible to me, and I love that.
0: And um, what is uh, your favorite spot? or you and your family's favorite spot in Toronto?
2: Wow, these are good questions. Um, I love Centre Island, mm, yeah. so and not just and not the commercial part with Centerville and all that stuff. If you go past and like if you go to Ward's Island or past there. Like, there's a, Wards Island Beach, right? Like, when you're there, you feel like you don't even are not part of Toronto anymore. Like, it's just amazing. Like, it's just this beautiful beach, and it's really sandy, you know, and it's a nice escape. I think Center Island, walking around there, I just I just love being there. I love nature. I love water. I find it really healing. And so, and it's a great escape from Toronto, so I, th- I think that's my favorite spot.
0: And um, what's the best place that you've ever traveled to?
2: Um, oh, this, you know, they're all so good for different reasons. I mean, how can you, like, pick something? <laughs> good grief. Um... Oh, man, like, Tunisia was amazing, and India was amazing, and uh, uh, Germany was amazing, Um, Poland. Good grief. Uh, Would
0: you uh, live in any one of them?
2: Well, I mean, if... if, if, If No. No, you know, like, I mean, the kids are young, we're trying to grow them up here, so, like, later on, maybe I might go somewhere else, but for the most part, um, I, I mean, I love Europe in general. Only because I find that the attitudes there are much more open. They're more easygoing about stuff. The work-life balance is a little more, you know, something normal. Uh, I kind of like that aspect of things. So, I mean, uh, if, if I could pick a place, like a place like France or Germany, England, those are really nice places to, you know, like live and work. So, for me, uh, I kind of would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's awesome. And who was your favorite teacher that you ever had?
2: Um... <laughs> uh, I'll say three. So Miss Scott in grade three, she was an exchange teacher from, from England, and she had a great accent, and she really she really got me to discover my confidence uh, as a social person. Because before I was just a nerd, I didn't. And, but but she really got me to be more uh, proud of my accomplishments, of so proud of being smart. Uh, in grade uh, eleven and twelve, Mrs. Curry was my math teacher, and just like I just admire her for her brain. And you know, I, I used to slack off, and she actually got me to become a really good math student. And then there was a guy I had in uh, my MBA, uh, Jim Letwin, and one of the things I liked about him when he marked my essays and stuff, he, w- he was just like bludgeon them to death with a red mark <laughs> and stuff because cause he's just like, no, why what, does this prove it? Like he really taught me the importance of, you know, making sure you answer every question and defend your position and versus just, you know, putting, having the keywords and everything you say. I thought that was really helpful.
0: That's fun. All righty. And um, what is your go-to karaoke song?
2: That's funny you say that because I actually won a karaoke contest uh, back in my McGill days, university. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I do a really good Elvis. So often I'll do it's now or never, uh, or all shook up.
0: And um, what was uh, your very first job?
2: My very first job. Um, my very first job actually. I was working at a water slide. I remember this, and it was funny because I was the guy. who would say go next, wait, go, wait, go. And the funny part was I actually didn't have a life. I wasn't a lifeguard. <laughs> But they, they thought it was okay. They probably weren't very regulated, you know, but it, but they didn't, they, because the water was so shallow. It's not like, you have, you, you know, can you stand? Yeah. Like I can probably <laughs> save someone that's there. I had CPR and whatever. But yeah, it was, it was at the top of that thing. And I, it was fun because I started talking to people, creating relationships and, and connection with people. But yeah, that was my first ever job.
0: Awesome. Well, that are, um, concludes all of our questions. Um, and yeah, thank you so much again for having us um, and for answering all of our questions and everything like that. It yeah, been, it's you been so really much. great My pleasure, to you. pleasure to
2: be here. And if people have questions, they can contact me at whatever links you share them and I'll be very happy to respond. Thank you.
0: We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder.
2: And
1: thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you.
0: Until next time.